Chapter Twenty Five of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter Twenty Five. This way for Maryland. This time tomorrow we'll be in Maryland. Rejoiced Edwina, spinning dizzily on her tiptoes around the room. Then there'll be the next day. Then the next day. Then the day after that, Lois'll be married, she ended, with cumulative days and fervor. Betty, busily packing, did not answer. How many are going with us tomorrow? Betty straightened up and glanced significantly at the little pile of clothes Edwina had dropped on the bed while she indulged in her jubilation. Your Aunt Helen, your cousin Betty, and yourself if this trunk is packed. If not... Betty looked unutterable things. Edwina stopped abruptly and hurriedly dumped the things on the floor beside the trunk and ran to the bureau for more. And Mrs. Brooks and Jack and the Kings, maybe Craig, and of course Judge Lane and Mrs. Lane, Betty added absently, looking around. Not Mr. Minturn? I like Mr. Minturn. He always brings me candy. Oh, yes, Mr. Minturn, of course, Betty said hastily, and bent down into the trunk. Poor Uncle William can't go, sighed Edwina, sitting on the edge of the bed, as though her sympathy might take the place of good works. Come, more things, lazy bones. Edwina went again to the bureau, but unluckily she looked out of the window and spied Dottie and with a stratagem of a fox and the movement of a bird, she had slid down the banisters and was out of the front door before Betty noticed her absence. Towards the evening of a perfect June day, the wedding party were driven between the two tall entrance pillars and up a long grassy roadway to Lois's home. It was a wide rambling structure of mellow brick imported from Europe during the colonial period occupying a delightful site in the midst of a large plantation the classic round portico of the main building was impressive and the long low wings with dormer windows that ran out on each side were picturesque features and had evidently been later additions indeed the old-world custom of adding to instead of tearing down had been followed by the birds and in consequence their country home was not only handsome but quaint and interesting rows of orange and lemon trees ornamented the terrace while shrubberies heavily perfumed southern flowers trellised vines and venerable trees all had their place on the great estate a fountain in the rear of the house plashed in the silent afternoon and pigeons and birds dipped daintily in its cool shallow pool mr bird a small distinguished-looking man in whose keen genial face could be traced many of the fine qualities that made his daughter so lovable welcomed them warmly by his side was old mrs chilton a distant kinswoman who lived at bird hall while the others were resting after their long journey lois carried betty off to her favorite spot in the ancient family graveyard where under tall sycamores and cedars in a corner by the hedge she had slung her gay red hammock the few level graves of not later than revolutionary date with crumbling headstones were not neglected 
but were treated much as were the trees that shaded them for the history of the dust within them was only to be found in yellow faded letters in the worm-eaten chests in the attic so no sadness or mournful association had ever been connected with the little spot in lois's mind perhaps in her light-hearted girlhood the pathos of the place lent an additional charm even as the one cypress tree did to the scene here she had grown in friendship with the birds who loved its shady silences far from the treacherous stones of the pickaninnies and the sly attacks of the sleek household cats sitting in the hammock with their arms around each other the two girls swung gently to and fro talking over the months that had passed since they parted and of the coming wedding betty turned suddenly on lois i've just found you out lois you're an angel dunny says so well i'm glad your eyes have been opened at last retorted lois ever since you left five solid months ago i haven't been able to get a word out of him about anybody or anything but you lois smiled gaily without giving the least evidence of compunction at being the cause of betty's limited conversational opportunities well betty dear i should think that jack craig paul and this lawrence minturn would have helped you a little to escape from your martyrdom oh they have but you know i see very little of paul now and craig is so busy with his studies while jack well you know he's dunny's best friend and he hasn't helped to vary the conversation a great deal no and how about mr minturn i never dreamed you'd be so secretive betty betty suddenly stood up and became deeply interested in an epitaph on one of the oldest headstones and made no reply so you've decided not to have any ushers lois she said presently and lois rose at once to the bait as she hoped yes for i want everything to be as simple and natural as possible the wedding party and the friends who are coming from washington and baltimore will know where to sit in the front pews and as all the people in this neighborhood are employed on our estate here they will just drop in as they do on sundays i like your idea of having everything simple and that's why i didn't want to be your maid of honor it would make everything too elaborate you know betty i was baptized and confirmed in this church and my ancestors before me so i want it characteristic of my home life rather than fashionable and that's the reason too i want the church decorated with daisies instead of american beauty roses yes we can all go out tomorrow and pick them that will be so much nicer than having a florist furnish them the next morning mrs chilton was sitting on the deep wide cool gallery at the rear of the house putting strips of whalebone into sunbonnets when betty came up from the garden her hands full of roses and honeysuckle i have had all the sunbonnets in the house washed some of them are half a century old you can have a pink one or a blue one or a white one to pick your daisies in laughed mrs chilton aren't they dear and old-fashioned betty exclaimed perching a pale blue one jauntily on her head it was small and dainty edged with a narrow ruffle i choose this pink one cried lois strolling in with dunmore followed by jack and minturn whom betty had left smoking by the sundial dunny placed the pink bonnet on lois's head as if adjusting a crown of diamonds 
There, he cried proudly, I defy Watteau and Claude Lorraine together to match this pastoral scene, he added, his glance taking in Betty and her sunbonnet and the wide sweep of a rich mellow landscape. I want to be in this picture, cried Mary King, stepping through one of the long windows that opened out on the porch and gaily seizing on a white bonnet with a little fluted pink edging so do i and alexander king topped his big tawny head with a brilliant scarlet bonnet but dunmore snatched it off protesting that he would not have his picture spoilt i have to be very careful for my complexion is so delicate that i can wear only the softest tints jack explained adorning his locks first with one then with another finally selecting a saffron-colored one as best harmonizing with his tanned skin come ladies and gentlemen it's time to pick the sun-eyed daisies before it's too hot cried mr bird coming towards them where is your mother betty there she is down there at the fountain with mrs brooks judge lane is to bring mrs lane in a carriage as she would not be able to walk so far my servants will bring plenty of baskets for the flowers so let us be going all the women wore sunbonnets even mrs brooks much to edwina's conventional wonder she thought they were all rather wild and silly and should be content to wear broad-brimmed parisian sun hats alexander king was in his element and he and jack kept the others in a gale of laughter with their sparring and repartee though the older ladies at times forgot their errand in serious consultations over the details of the wedding without a qualm lois and dunmore left their plans in the loving hands of their friends and gave themselves up to the glory of the day and the realization of the momentous fact that they were gathering flowers to decorate the church for their own wedding they were often silent and thoughtful but were ready to join in any merry nonsense after luncheon they all sat on the marble steps and made ropes of daisies which they carried to the church and twined around the dark old pillars they fastened great loose bunches of daisies to the pew doors and banked them in the deeply cased windows where they sprang up elastically as if in their own fields and then they left the church all beautiful and fair for tomorrow end of chapter twenty five recording by holly jensen